Welcome to the Getting More Leads and Sales from Your Website podcast with your host, Dan Kaplan, co-founder of Periscope Up. Learn how to increase traffic and conversions from your website. Each episode, Dan interviews a digital marketing leader or practitioner, asking them all the same question. How do you get more leads and sales from a website? Visit PeriscopeUp.com for a free Google Analytics course, Dan's ebook on great website content, or to sign up for our email newsletter filled with succinct, practical marketing tips that will help you get more leads and sales from any website. Hi everybody, Dan Kaplan with Periscope Up and welcome back to the Getting More Leads and Sales from Your Website podcast. And today, really, really excited. We got something a little bit different today. Today we have Jody Hume, who is the CEO of The Business of Life and Jody is an expert on time and time strategy. Uh, her business, The Business of Life, uh, facilitate, it's a, excuse me, a strategic facilitation and coaching practice. Now I first heard Jody about two years ago when she gave a talk on what I call time management, what she calls time strategies, and I was just, uh, it had such a great impact on me because we as marketers, we're you know, crazed for, for more time. We don't, I don't manage my time as well as I could, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners out there could benefit from hearing from an expert like Jody on how we as marketers can improve our use of time. So Jody, why don't you say hi and tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you, you know, got to be where you are. Sure. So actually, I started off in marketing. Um, I started straight out of college at an architecture firm here in Baltimore, Maryland, GWWO Architects, as their um, director of marketing. And um, I did that for a few years. Then I had the great luxury of taking on a bunch of different parts of the business as we grew. And ultimately, I became their COO of, of the firm. And um, about 10, I was there for 17 years, but about 10 years into that, I was really itching to do something else. Um, I started taking classes in facilitation and coaching. Um, I was, I'd worn all the hats I could wear as the firm grew. And um, part of my, um, part of my natural skill set was facilitating these leadership conversations and getting things done. I, one of my greatest gifts is that I get frustrated very easily with things not progressing. Um, and I'm also very diplomatic, so I can get people moving in the same direction. So I, I quickly realized that that was a blend of facilitation and coaching. Um, where the time piece came interesting, um, came into my life, really, frankly, was from a very selfish, very personal um, way. I was COO of a growing uh, architecture firm. I had a very small child. Um, I was going back to school. I wanted to sing in a band. Um, I was, I was, you know, it was kind of a midlife crisis-ish kind of moment, and there just wasn't. It didn't feel like there was enough time. And I kept catching myself saying things like, "Well, in my next life, I'll sing in a blues band. In my next life, I'll learn to speak Spanish. In my next life, blah 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 blah." And um, they're just. You know, I'm not sure what what created the epiphany, but there came a day where I was like, "That's not good enough. I have to figure this out." And I love, you know, time management apps and calendars, and I buy things at Target that I think is going to be the thing that keeps me organized. But what I realized between myself and working with my clients very quickly on the coaching side is that all of that stuff is is great, but it's it's like digging a mountain of dirt with a tiny little plastic spoon. It's mm. like the tiny little divots you can make with those kinds of things. And what I needed and what my clients needed was were more like backhoes, things that cut out entire swaths of dirt, like took away whole mountains, like chopping wings off houses kind of, <laughs> kind of stuff. 
Um, because otherwise you just, you, you can't get ahead of the tsunami otherwise. So that's where my fascination began. Um, and I find that when you make these bigger, not always easy, but much bigger decisions, the need for time management actually becomes this tiny little minuscule thing that's much more tactical, and that's where it belongs. Mm. Um, but people get frustrated because they're trying to apply it to this giant mountain, and and my heart breaks for them because you just, you, you, I think we think we all feel it. You can't get ahead that way. Mm. Mm. Oh, great, great story. Um, I'm really excited about this conversation. So why don't we start off with sort of the big picture? You know, you. Um, you had told me about some trends going on in you know, time strategies about having a choice, not being exhausted, uh, creating clarity, and creating structures for decision making. Why don't you just paint that big picture, give us these wide swaths, and then we can dive into some tips, some techniques about how we can sure. apply this to our work as marketers. Yeah, these are really the emerging trends that I'm seeing in leadership across all industries, across all levels of an organization, you know, leading you can lead from anywhere in an organization. I think we've all felt that. You can lead your department. You can. I started out as a marketing department of one, and I still greatly changed the trajectory of the firm in my my time there. So leadership is something that um, I actually refer to this sometimes as time leadership, leading like using time as a leadership skill. I I fundamentally believe it is one of the most emerging and cutting edge leadership skills is doing this time crafting that we're going to be talking about today. Um, these things that I will introduce today, they're not easy. And some of them are really go against the grain of what we're quite willing to uh, take on as a society, even though the, the science behind it is, is overwhelming. Um, and, and I'll be completely honest, you and I have already joked about this a little bit. I preach this stuff and I still have to constantly on a daily basis remind myself. It really is a practice. Um, but these things with um, that we'll touch on each of them are, are the things that even if you just take on one of them from this talk today, you will see the difference. Um, they're the backhoes that I want to introduce, and, and then we can also touch on some of the little spoons if you want to. <laughs> okay, so let's start with having a choice. What do you what do you mean by that, Mike? You know, yeah. Mike. Let, let me set it up. Um, you know, time to me is a finite resource, right? You can always make money, but you can't make time. Right, mm -hmm. you know, God is only giving you a certain amount of days on this earth, and that's a finite number. You don't know what that is, but it is a you know it is a finite number. So, mm -hmm. um, what I choose to do with my time is the really the only time is the only resource that I that I really have to manage. Is is that yeah. right? Well, it is. And what's really fascinating, if you start to listen, um, is if you really listen closely. Time is the one thing that almost everyone across the board will kind of roll over on their bellies and, and surrender victim to. Mm. It's, it's, I, I coach some powerful, smart, don't roll over for anything kinds of people and except when the conversation of time comes up and they I hear them say things I never hear them say like, well, I have to because, well, that's just the way it is. Well, we have to do this. And whether they're talking about how many soccer games their kids go to or how many meetings they have to attend or that they can't carve out two hours to be strategic or that they're overwhelmed, there's this, when I first start working with them, there's this lack of, um, it's almost the learned helplessness if you have any, any um exposure to psychology that learned helplessness is when, when animals are getting shocked and after a while they don't even try to not get shocked even if that 
thing isn't happening. Terrible metaphor. But um, there is a, a, a victim status that a lot of times we have, and, and I catch myself doing it still. Well, I have to. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, do I? Do I have to? Um, check in. And that pause, just to notice. It, it's really just, it sounds so simple, but noticing that you have a choice. And you still might do that thing, but there's something fascinating about the energy drain of doing the difference between the energy drain of doing something that you decided you're going to do even if you don't want to mm -hmm. and going into it with this like well I don't have a choice like you're being washed down a river it takes less of the energy away from you if you have just decided there's a reason you're going to do it mm -hmm. versus not having a choice so Huge. what would what would as marketers let's let's apply this down at our level as marketers what you know mm -hmm. what, what what might some choices, or maybe what are some choices you make to market your yeah. business that um, are conscious decisions to control your own time? Yeah, I mean, the marketing is one of my favorite places to have this conversation. In fact, I actually use it as an example when I'm giving speeches sometimes that I say there is, a lot of times I'm talking to entrepreneurs, like, and I'll say there, can you feel that there are literally an infinite, infinite number of things you could try to market your business? You could be advertising, you could do social media, and social media is in and of itself an infinite number of things. You could be doing blog posts, you could be doing this. It's, it's exhausting how many things there are you could be doing. And I think you can feel that there are two finite resources, really. It's your time and it's also your energy. Mm. And those two things, if they get diffused, they become less impactful. Mm -hmm. So especially with marketing, um, whether you're talking about something as, as, um, as specific and granular as your message or where you're choosing to put that message or how much is on the space, how much is on the page, um, you know, metaphorically, it's the importance of the white space that you can't, if you have a four by six ad, you can't fill it with 475 right. words. You have to choose what do I want to say and how clear am I going to be? And I don't know if this is helpful. Um, but there's there's a really simple just decision tool that I use sometimes where it's, it's again, I love really simple things. So don't don't assume that just because they're simple, they're not crazy powerful. But it's like whenever you're saying yes to one thing, you are inherently always saying no to something else and vice versa. Right. I say yeah. no to this. I'm saying yes to something else. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, humans are wired to be really, really, really hesitant to turn down a bird in hand. Like if you have an opportunity, it's like that fear of missing out thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I will tell you without fail, the, the people who are able, especially in marketing where you have so many choices, the people who are able to say no to a lot of really fantastic ideas so they can knock it out of the ballpark with one or two key things are the ones that are getting ahead and making progress and achieving the goals that mm -hmm. they want to achieve. Mm -hmm. That's great, that's great. Well, you know, for me personally, um, the way that I sort of implemented this is your 20% of the 20% rule, which I'd love you to talk about oh, in a minute. Yeah. But um, what, what I did was I, you know, configured my Google Analytics and I really took a hard look at what was working, what was actually driving leads, you know, and, and I decided to spend my time and energy on the 20% of things that worked, which really means my social media efforts have dropped off. In fact, I've, I've automated a lot of things so that yeah. when I put up a blog post, we use only wire and it automatically pushes it out to you know, all of our social networks. And I'm not 
because because I know from my analytics that I am not getting leads from social media. I, yeah. Sure, I'm building following, building buzz, and all that great stuff, but it's not converting into leads. Yeah. Um, by the same token, I know that I'm getting phone calls for our services based on a webinar that we did in this podcast. So that's where I'm putting my energy because I know that's the 20% of all of my efforts that work. But you you take that a step farther. You say, don't look at the 20-80-20 rule. You say what? Look at the 20% of the 20%? Yeah, yeah. That, that two of my favorite things, um, one came out of the book, um, The One Thing, which is Gary Keller. Um, and there's two pieces out of that book that, that I use quite often. One is, he says, everybody knows the 80-20 rule, that 80% of your results come from 20% of your activity. Um, that's not enough anymore. Like, even 20% of our options is still, like, mm. a mountain of stuff that we mm. could be doing. So take that 20% and say, okay, what's, what's the 20% of that 20%? And maybe even go one more. What's the 20% of that 20%? Mm -hmm. I would rather you find the one thing that reliably brings things in and do more of that. It's a very simple thing. Do more of what works. If it's not working, or it's only working a tiny, tiny bit, stop doing it. If there's something that's working, do more of that. And you can, of course, layer in innovation and trying new things, but that should be like this little layer. You shouldn't be investing huge swaths of time right. and energy to it. Right. Um, it Another example I can give on the marketing front is I just got done with an interview with Michael Eager um, mm -hmm. of sprint marketing and he uh, you know he's a really smart guy he's been CEO of a, of a couple marketing firms and he he's changed my thinking or starting to change my thinking about what, what constitutes a good quality lead like as a mm -hmm. marketer we're just trying to get leads upon leads and leads okay. so you can send a high volume of leads to the to the sales team but his approach is no you, you, what you want to do is have the customer self-select on yeah. your website, have them, you know, make them fill out a, lot, a big a big form so that yep. you can see really how serious they are. If they're serious, they will give you their phone number. Yeah. And what happens is the sales team gets less leads, but they get good leads, good quality leads, and they're not spending yeah. so much time chasing, and right. they're spending more time closing. There's a real maturity happening, I see, especially in the marketing industry, um, of, of realizing that, okay, we, we, we all learned how to turn on the faucet, and right. then all of a sudden we're drinking from a fire hose and right. let's be smart about it. Like right. how do we how do we shut the faucet off a tiny bit so that we're getting really good quality yeah. leads? Um, I see more and more um, more and more in that way of filtering, self-filtering, of making it harder and harder to get through the door so that when by the time they get there they're 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 already really well qualified. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, who a huge part of that is um, the individual intentional practice of reminding yourself that busy does not mean anything other than busy. In fact, I'm, I'm seeing more of a trend just starting to bud of, of the opposite being true, that the, um, the, uh, like the badge of honor, the badge of success, it's mm -hmm. like how little can I actually do and get these things done? Like what's the minimal amount of effort I can make and get the impact that I want. Right. You I turn it into a game. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking back to graduate school, you know, and there was like, there was this guy, he would walk around with looked like nothing to do. You know, he had all the time on his hands, that he but he was able to, you know, score really well on the tests and he just knew what exactly to study, what was going to be on the tests, the exams, and 
you know, yeah. here we are frantic. I am frantic studying like around the clock and not yeah. achieving what he's achieved because I think he was able to focus in on that 20% of the 20%, like you said. It's, it's a dual part. It's, it's a two-part thing. It actually ties into another emerging trend that I've seen. Um, and, and they both, the two go hand in hand. Because if I were going to boil down every conversation I have with someone about their time to two things, and it oversimplifies a little bit because it's a little more nuanced than this, but it, it basically comes down into being overwhelmed and or being exhausted. Okay. And those, those two things go hand in hand. The, the problem with overwhelm is, and the real wake up call around it is, everyone, sort of the societal agreement of being a victim of time. Like if you say, oh, I'm overwhelmed, I'm so busy. Every person in the room will almost reliably be like, oh yeah, man, me too, holy cow, yeah, I'm so busy. It's like this like shared like punch on the arm, like yeah, it's like a cult of busy. Um, and what's interesting is that you actually give yourself kind of a, I always think, is it Tony? Not Tony the Tiger. Some cartoon character goes like, I, 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 like shakes it off. Um, I'm sure that'll look great on the camera. But um, if you shake it off and think about it for a second, um, one of my mentors, Andrea Lee, I was talking to her one time, and she said, if I allow myself to be overwhelmed, then this is all the more my business or my department or whatever I have can grow. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. a fact, like if this is overwhelmed, if this is all I can do, then I am also in that moment saying yes to, this is all the more I can do with my time. Mm-hmm. For me, that, that, that makes me go, wait, 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 I, I'm not okay with that. So therefore, I have to do, I have to manage my overwhelm. Right. So that's, that's the creating clarity piece in the 20% of the 20. Yeah. The other piece is the exhaustion piece. And um, we could actually talk for hours and I would bore you with a lot of neuroscience um, because it is overwhelming how much science there is behind how almost every strategy we have for when we're when the rubber meets the road and we're trying to make more time is the exact opposite of what we need to do. Uh, we cut when, when when I mean I don't know about you, but even I do it. I have to remind myself when when we're pressed, we we cut sleep, we go to bed later, we get up earlier. I did, the, I did this morning. I did this morning. I got up at six o'clock to write, to write, uh, to finish working on our uh, Google Analytics course that we're launching in a couple of weeks. What time did you go to bed? Eleven. Got up at five uh, thirty. Seven. That's so. Mm, so that's bordering on not quite horrible, but um, yeah, I'm feeling not not too 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 bad, but but it's not great. Um, we cut sleep, we cut exercise, we stop going to the gym, and we absolutely, we're already, even when things aren't super pressed, we have cut out time to think and time to do nothing and let let your brain burble. And like if I could make it the super, super fastest way to explain all these, um, one, if your business needs you to be creative, which in marketing, right. I, I defy you to, to say, not raise your hand and say you need to be creative and smart and have great ideas. You cannot have an aha, an insight, a, a brilliant idea if there are not alpha waves present in the brain. It's not possible. Alpha waves? Can you alpha that? waves. And alpha waves come when you're relaxed. Hmm. So when do you have your best ideas? Shower. Yep. Shower. Some people say like running or on the treadmill. Running, yeah, big um, time. Six, yep. eight, ten years ago, people used to also say driving in the car. But now they stopped saying that because... Right. Because now we're talking on the phone in the car. Yeah. We're listening to, to podcasts or, or whatever. So wait, let, um, me just, let me get this straight. You're advocating that I do nothing? Yeah. Yeah. Not all day long. Not all day long. But um, I, like, but, I like this. Maybe I should hire you. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I'm serious. Like This section of, of my advice and this trend 
The reason it's hard is because it all feels indulgent. So please take off and go to the gym. Please sleep a little longer. Please go do nothing for a little bit. Mm -hmm. It takes enormous courage and other things to actually do that. Um, A, if other people are looking, it's super hard. But even if you're alone on your own, to go nap at three, you know, there's a lot of evidence behind that we were never really meant to be an eight hour of sleep at one time, people, that we are more of a four to six hour and then another patch of like two hours sleep. Mm. Um, If that fits your pattern and you're able to somehow do that, there's nothing wrong with that. And it really, um, it's amazing what the difference between getting six to eight hours of sleep is, is like 15 IQ points on an ongoing basis. And the bigger difference is, um, uh, super quick, they did a study where they they had one group of people um, stay awake for 36 hours. The other group had to go from sleeping eight hours to six hours a night for like 10 or 15 days. Mm -hmm. When they did cognitive testing before and after with those two groups, they had about the same amount of cognitive um, decrease, which is about 15 IQ points. That was bad enough. The really scary thing, though, and the thing that I think about all the time, is the people who had been up for three days were super aware of it. You know, they were like, "Oh my God, I like oh, to drive about, me home." And their entire brain processes is focused on the fact that they need sleep, which means they're not thinking about what they need to be thinking about. Is that so? Well, no. So the the people who've been up for thirty six hours just knew that they shouldn't go try to do math or their best work. Mm-hmm. They were they were very aware of the fact that they were not. They're smartest. I mean, it's honestly, it's about the same amount of, of, of cognitive decreases if you're plastered drunk. <laughs> yeah. But um, the really scary part, so, though, was just was the people who just switched to six hours had no sense of being less productive and on the ball than mm, they were before. Yeah. That's the part I find really yeah. scary. Yeah. So yeah, this reminds me of another thing I heard you talk about, which is don't plow. You know, don't. Um, plow through your day and just push, 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 push. Maybe yeah. you need to take a couple breaks because if I, I want to remember this, well, I'll let you explain it, but you said that whatever the, maybe it's the front of your brain that yep. is pushing you so hard. When you push yourself so hard, the part of your brain that is connected to willpower is decreased in its ability to have willpower. That's why we, if we, after a long hard day at work, we go home and we, you know, eat cookies or you know, drink beer yeah. or whatever. Yep. Yeah. That part of your brain um, is in charge of a handful of things: decision making, um, which is the willpower as well. Willpower. Sorry, it's impulse control actually. Impulse control. Um, decision making and holding on to things like holding on to a set of numbers or, or that sort of thing. If you plow throughout the day, like if you marathon throughout your day without stopping, you use up the glucose, which is like your brain fuel, because that part of your brain is the most advanced part and it uses up fuel exponentially faster than the rest of the brain. So if you just plow through the day, you use up all that fuel super fast. So your afternoon is not nearly as productive as it could be. Hmm. If you do like 60 to 90 minutes and then take even a five minute break, I mean, even a two minute break and just put your head back and take 10 deep breaths. Mm -hmm. Like that's something. It's not ideal. Ideally, it's more like 15 minutes, but some kind of renewal activity. And and I can just, you can't just, yeah, go for a walk is amazing. I mean, some, some, some science actually points to like at some point in the day, take a 15 minute nap. I totally get that that's not always possible. But um, but if you do, you will then come back and do 60 to 90 minutes and your brain fuel can last long, much, much, much longer into the day. Mm. Um, mm. I'll be completely honest. A lot of this section of the talk, I, I, I still just, 
like I love to talk about it, but I'm I so recognize that it's almost like I feel a little bit like the world is not flat or you know the mm. sun does not spin around the earth. We're just we're not quite ready to to accept it yet. So it's right. really really hard, but I would really challenge uh, you and your listeners to just try little pieces of it and okay. see if you notice notice a difference. And then you can do more if you want. But good. All right, good. Takeaway here is take a break, rest, relax. Yeah. Take take some time off. All here's right. here's the simplest way, so you don't have to understand all the science. Just simply notice what it feels like you need and be okay with that. If you feel like what you need more than anything else is to lay on your couch and stare at the wall, it's probably the most the most important strategic thing mm. you can do. Hmm. Amazingly simple it, advice. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, let's move on to point number three, creating sure. clarity. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so we actually touched on a few of these. That's the 20% of the 20, like getting getting super, um, Having a there's list. just too much. You can have a list. Um, I, there are a million ways to create clarity, but here's, here's the difference. Um, here's how to know if you aren't creating clarity. <laughs> um, like, have you ever ended up with a, a day, whether it's a weekend day or a day of the week where you have a huge, big chunk of time and then you think, oh my gosh, and then you now proceed to think that you are going to check every major project off your list, and at the end of the day, you're exhausted and you didn't really achieve much, right? <laughs> and disappointed. Okay, everyone raised your hand. Yeah, and you're like, oh, and you also didn't relax. Like, you could have actually right. decided, today's the day I'm gonna kick back and relax, and you also don't choose that. Um, that is like the tragedy of truly lost, pilfered time <coughs> when those kinds of things happen. Um, and it's because we don't have clarity. I mean, but the reason I love that example is we all have this little lie rolling that, well, if I just had more time, if I just had more time, that example is evidence to me that better than anything else that here we have. I have had a sudden day. I had a full day cancellation of a facilitation a couple weeks ago, and I suddenly had an entire What'd day, no appointment. I, I, so that I, that's what I did. I was like, oh my gosh, now I can update my website and I can do this and I can get all my QuickBooks done and I can do this and I can do all this marketing and I can write and I can start that book outline and right. I can also go get my kids new socks. And, you know, and <laughs> by the end of the day, and I'll, and I'll clean out the, the yard and you know, I got tiny pieces of a bunch of things done and I kicked myself at the end mm -hmm. for not taking that time. What works, but it's again a constant practice, is on a personal level, just whether you're an end of the day person or a beginning of the day person, somewhere having this 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 like little clarity meeting with yourself where what is most important? Mm. I would love it if you just pick one thing. What is the, this is actually a quote out of the One Thing book. It says, what is the one thing I could do such that by doing it, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary? Mm. You know what, for, some t for me sometimes, that one thing is the hardest thing. The thing that I keep Usually. putting off and putting off. It's a phone call to an upset client yeah. or you know, sitting down to dive into a strategy that is so big and hairy that it's got me up at night, you know. But by putting yeah. off that one hard thing, I think yeah. that just kind of messes everything else up. Sucks up so much brain space. So actually you you are you're hinting at my, and these, these four points are very intertwined. Like I've broken them out into four pieces just so you can kind of wrap your, our heads around them, but they're so intertwined. It's actually really difficult to do that. So mm -hmm. part of the problem in creating clarity is this whole chunk that has actually really become the core of my business now, actually, which is, um, 
So, so in many ways, I don't refer to myself as a coach. It's more of a personal strategist for mm -hmm. leaders and executives and of, of anything because because with we're living in a time where there are there's more uncertainty than ever. There's more decisions than ever. There's more opportunities than ever. That paired with the uncertainty, and for many of us, the further you go up a chain, whether it's in your own business or in an organization, that's also paired with fewer and fewer and fewer people that you can talk to about things to get feedback because either either there are less places that you feel like you can not know or less places where you feel you can just lay it out and be like, okay, here's the craziness that I've created for myself but I don't know what to do. Um, mm -hmm. This relates to time in one very specific way. Um, there is no time strategy that I could talk to you about, no calendar technique, no task technique that could even touch the hem <laughs> of the amount of time that we waste, all of us, on indecision and second guessing, avoiding really tough things, um, avoiding hard conversations. You know, I've, I've gone into organizations where they, they wanna write a great big policy around something just because they don't wanna have one hard conversation with one guy who's abusing the vacation policy or something mm -hmm. like, or, or you know, I've worked with clients who will spend hours and hours and hours writing an angry email because they're upset about something and, and then don't even send it, but then they're, you know, so there are these, right. there's the emotional flare-ups, there's the uncertainty, the indecision, those things, if you can create structures around yourself where people you can check in with, um, there's a large part of my business now that like they call me and just say, okay, I'm walking into this, I don't know what to say, or I have this, I'm not sure what to do about this, blah, blah, blah. And the thing is that they usually know, they just don't know they know. I'm not telling them what to do. I had a conversation last week with a guy about a merger opportunity. I am not the world's expert in a merger, mergers and acquisitions, but I can tell the difference between whether he was dragging his feet because it was a bad idea, or if he was dragging his feet because it's just scary to pull the trigger and say yes, or in this case, this particular day, he was exhausted. I said, go home, get a good night's sleep. I could just feel, I mean, you've talked to somebody when they're yeah. wiped out, they're kind yeah. of vacant, right? And uh, went home, had a good night's sleep. The next day, he called me back. He was laughing. He's like, I, "You're, I just needed. I got it. I, I know what to do." Yeah, you know, I, I also on a personal yeah. level, just when I am able to tackle that hard thing, aside from yeah. the time part of it, and you know, my brain being freed up to think about more important things, I just feel good about myself. You know, like I'm yeah. growing. You know, that confidence comes from doing difficult things that you didn't think you could you could do right right and and there's another piece to it too that that is i don't know why it's so hard to remember is it ever as bad as you thought it was going to no, be no. never like never ever ever and it never takes as long as you think it's going to yeah uh, i made a joke about my quickbooks that's one thing i did actually get done i was a few months behind and in my brain that was that and taxes and in my brain, I honestly thought each of them was a full day project. So I'm like, oh, when am I gonna have a whole day to catch up on this and a whole day to catch up on that? I knocked them both out in about 90 minutes. No it, way. It was, it was, I was kicking myself because it's been hanging on me for a week. And you touched on something so important. That is part of that, like, that's a lingering energy drain on the brain when you mm -hmm. have those things hanging in there. Um, it, it's just a huge, huge, huge detriment. Yeah. Yeah, good. All right, great. That was number four, creating structures for decisions and support, right? Okay, good. Yeah. All right, um, before we go, I'm going to...
two things. One, I'm going to ask you, uh, well, let me ask you about email first, because I know mm-hmm. you're big on oh. how email is like the worst yeah. time suck there is in the world. So any strategies yeah. that we, you know, my inbox is constantly full. I can't possibly keep up. So what, give me some, yeah. some practical we can we can yep. pl- use around A couple email. things. Um, one of my favorite, just to get a fresh start, is to move everything into a different folder because you're not going to, if you're somebody who has thousands of thousands of emails in your inbox, you're not going to sit and go through them. It's just not a smart use of your time. Um, but I, there is something really important about clearing out your visual space so that you can, if you then have a system to stay on top of it, it can be really, really helpful. Um, tactically speaking, I use an app called SaneBox. It costs me five bucks a month, and it's the, it, it, every now and then they go down for like an hour, and I freak out because suddenly there are like 97 emails from the day in my inbox that I wouldn't have normally had to see. Had to see. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how exactly it's different than just any old spam filter because um, it's not just spam. It just it takes out the things that I like newsletters and things like that that I don't mm-hmm. need to see every day. Um, it, it's been very helpful to me. Yeah, Gmail. Um, Gmail does that too. It, it does. I. I did. See, here's the thing. It's like I. I always almost hesitate to even recommend apps because for different people, I, I think I may have mentioned this. You know, I have, I have a client who uses a paper calendar. It works fantastically for him. I'm not going to touch that. Yeah. Um, I have other clients who do really well with this app or this app for tasks or whatever. Some of them, I'm like, oh my god, I I, I could never use that. It's it's such a personal thing. Um, that that's it's. I, I would rather find something that will work for someone based on their personality type and how willing they are to to mm-hmm. use different. I mean, for some of us, for me, I am all over the electronic calendars when it comes to task lists. I have given over to the fact that for me it has to be handwritten. I, I just I cannot I cannot implement and sustain an um, an electronic task right. list. I heard um, you regarding email. Going back to email, I've heard you yes. say condition Don't. people around you to just yeah. pick up the phone. I mean, yeah, yeah. So so two two important things is one. And this is what I have to force myself to don't pick up your phone first thing in the morning and start the, the decision making. Um, your brain clicking through just like yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. You are burning some of like that hot off the press, best, juiciest brain fuel on uh-huh. something as menial as yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Like get up, do something strategic, important, anything other than that first. It's just a really smart way. Um, but the two things about training people, one, um, it, it, you know, if, if you are always it's the fastest way to get you is to email you. If, if no matter when they email you, they get a response immediately back, you're training them that the fastest, smartest, most reliable, mm-hmm. easiest way to get you is email. So the faster you are with email, the more you will get. Um, whereas I have a friend who barely uses it. I never email her. Um, I don't suggest that either because that's also it's funny because I, <laughs> I went on vacation this summer and I, I was dreading coming back and it wasn't, I didn't have as much email as I thought I would. Because people knew you were gone. At least some of them did, but um, that that's part of it. But I, um, I but, but I wasn't sending out a ton of emails, so I wasn't generating responses. Right. Yeah. The, the other thing too is is I've just noticed um, how much of my business was rolling that way. Like there was a, I mean, this little bit comes back to the I have a choice thing. There's just a standard practice for most coaching businesses off the shelf is everyone offers like unlimited email support in between. 
sessions and what you're restricting access to is your is your your time on the phone with you. Mm-hmm. About five years ago, I realized that I can knock out an issue with somebody in eight minutes on the phone. If I have to actually type out an answer to something and try and cover all the nuance it, like and, forth, and if you mean and this and if you mean that and there's this case where it doesn't I could I was spending hours responding to an email to try and get it just right it's like forget this like so now if somebody wants to communicate that way I charge more for email support than I do for mm-hmm. just like you can email me anything but then we're gonna get on a phone call and I'm gonna and we're gonna knock it out that way um, it, it I'm moving to the phone call more and more and more just because it, you can get things done a lot faster. And I, I often think it's funny if, if emails had come first and then someone had invented the phone, we would have all been like, forget email. We're not, why would I write it when I right. can just pick up, I can pick up this thing and talk to the person. Like right. we would never do that. So Right. It's, it's not, email is asynchronous, right? I mean, a it conversation is. can go on forever. Yeah. But with the phone, it's it's real communication. It's more direct yeah. communication, I should say. And and you could it's it's more direct, but you can also, um, especially for something nuanced. I think I think email is great. The asynchronicity of it. Well, yeah, and the asynchronicity of it's great if you're just like coordinating logistics or something. But if there's any subtlety to what you're trying to convey, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it takes more time to figure out how to communicate it or yeah. risk communicating it poorly. Right. Than it does just to pick up. Yeah, here here at Periscope Up, we I am constantly encouraging our account managers just to pick up the phone, just pick up the phone. And yes, for when there's a problem, when you sense, when even smallest sense of a problem, Uh get off email because immediately you could be misinterpreted. But pick up the phone. Um, Also, now I'm going to start telling you it's more time efficient to just. It really is. And, and I will say there is a generational thing there, um, and I, I cuss that generation. My husband's eight years older than I am, and so he has been a phone guy forever. He's been preaching the phone thing forever. Um, I, I I do tend to fall a little bit more into that. Like I'd rather just send someone an email, so I'm not. Especially since so many people have their cell phones now, I feel like, like when I call them, uh, and I hear this a lot, especially from like millennials, like, well, I don't want to just call them because right. what if what if it's not a good time to I'll take send the them call? A text. Right. Exactly. So. Um, <laughs> So, but but more and more. So I, I do respect that that is a challenge for some folks in implementing the phone call piece of it. Right. But um. But yeah, email email has challenges all of its own for sure. Right. But <laughs> we can do a whole other so, call on that. <laughs> um, great. So I know you got to go soon. So, but but before we hear a little bit more about you and your services and how we can get in touch with you, why don't you leave us with like the one thing? What's the one thing that I should start doing now that's going to have a big impact on how you know my uh, management of time and my time strategy is going to help me be a better marketer. Yeah. Um, so better marketer and also um, as you as you were saying all that, I thought you were just talking in general, and my mind was going to like having a life that you really love and enjoy. So you, you right, a little tell, little give me, give twist me that. that. sounds good. You can give Let me, me think about the marketing piece of it for a second. But um, no, I mean it. It really does go back to the choice piece. Um, I get I get so. Like my heart breaks when I hear anyone not happy with what they've created or what they have or what they what what's going on around them and not recognizing that they get to choose if if that's what they want to be doing or not. And um, it's it's really hard to listen to sometimes. And um, and not everyone's really ready to do something about it. But if it's like the 
if the simplest thing you, anyone took from this talk was just noticing that there's a choice about how you spend your time. Mm. And, and when it comes to marketing, knowing that there's, that it's not, um, this would be it. I, as risky as it can feel, narrowing the niche, narrowing the message, narrowing the focus, saying no to opportunities, saying no to places you could be marketing. I get, I think we all get how scary that is. It's only scary if you don't take a minute to really be truthfully aware of what's at risk if you don't. It, right. there, there is as much, and I would actually argue, 10 times more at risk if you don't narrow the focus. Mm -hmm. Because you will... Um, saying no to I, something is saying yes to something else. Yes, and what's, and what's hard about it is that you don't know what it's saying yes to, but I will leave you with this tiny little statistic. Um, there was a Stephen Covey study a few years ago that, um, I'm just making sure I have the numbers right here because I just had it, um, that if an organization has one to two, and, and this, this is no different organization or a person or a, a life or a department or whatever, if an entity has one to two strategic goals, like clear things that they're going after, they will typically achieve one to two of them. If it's three to four, they will achieve, sorry, if it's two to three, they'll achieve two to three. If it's four to six, they achieve one to two of them. Really? So it goes down. And if it's seven or more, it's zero. No way, wow. Yeah, wow. yeah. So it's, it's that kind, and I think that applies to all sorts of things besides just goals. There was, I will leave you with one last thought. There's, um, there's an article called The Disciplined Pursuit of Less that is now actually a book. I don't know if you can see this, but it's huh? Greg, Greg McCune, M-C-K-E-O-W-N. You don't even have to read the whole book. There's a short article for Harvard Business Review with the same title, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. It is fantastic. The book's amazing. If you're a book person, grab it, read it. Right. Um, that and The One Thing are, are the, two, the two books that I think are the best truly time, not productivity in the tiny spoon, but they're the they're the, the big backhoes of getting your brain in the right place. Great. Well, I'll put uh, on the webpage for this podcast on periscopeup.com, I'll, I'll put links to, okay. to those. Cool. Great. All right, Jody, fantastic. So helpful and useful. Thank oh, you. You're welcome. Thanks for having why me. You, why don't you leave us with, um, you know, the services that you pro provide, tell us, you know, what you, what you do and how we can learn more. Yeah, sure. Um, so my website's called In the Business of Life, um, and I work individually in that business with lead, mostly leaders and entrepreneurs um, working around their you know, time strategies is often the door that they come in through. I'm also doing a lot of like personal strategy work with them. Um, leading anything is a really treacherous road, and it can be really lonely, and leaders who aren't lonely and have the right people to talk to, get a lot more done and, and achieve a lot more of what, what they're after. So I do that both with one-on-one -on -one coaching and strategy. Um, I also run CEO groups and leadership groups so that you can get that from peers and it's not just from me but from other, other peers. Um, and then I also do a lot of facilitation of leadership conversations in organizations because um, anybody who's ever been in a leadership conversation knows that it can be a lot of talking past each other and mm -hmm. not getting to the same place. And that is um, probably one of my sweetest sweet spots. Mm -hmm. So my all my work comes together for me in helping people have the conversations that they need to be having to achieve the things that they want to have in life and in business both. So. In the business of life.com? Yep, and then my email is very simple. It's Jody with an I, J-O-D-I, at inthebusinessoflife.com. Okay, great.
Thanks so much. And thanks, thanks for Dan. Li- yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Getting More Leads and Sales from Your Website podcast with your host, Dan Kaplan, co-founder of Periscope Up, trusted provider of digital marketing services. Periscope Up offers digital marketing services to increase website and campaign performance, including website optimization, pay-per-click and banner advertising, content marketing, HubSpot and marketing automation, and of course, Google Analytics. Visit PeriscopeUp.com for a free Google Analytics course. Dan's ebook on great website content or to sign up for our email newsletter filled with succinct, practical marketing tips that will help you get more leads and sales from any website.